This is the High Impact Leadership Podcast. Bringing vision into action. Josh Veneta is a leadership and business growth coach. I decided that I wanted to have a bigger impact. Bigger impact. Fueled by helping individuals and organizations thrive. Engaged with a new passion. Josh is a proven business leader. To help others succeed. Over 15 years experience in helping organizations put vision into action. Where we provide tools and wisdom that help leaders and their organizations to thrive. Strategy. Strategy. Consistent execution. Execution. Leadership. That's what coaching actually is. It's an unlocking of what's already there. This is the High Impact Leadership Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of High Impact, a podcast for leaders. My name is Josh Veneta, Strategic Advisor and CEO Plus Leadership Team Coach, and I'm your host. Today, I'm joined by Regional Vice President for Primerica, Jason Hawks. Jason has been working in the financial services industry since 2005 and the security industry, providing investments since 2006. He started working there with the belief that most people need an education to make the best decisions to solve their financial concerns. He really enjoys helping others and providing relief from the stresses about money. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Josh, thanks for having me. I appreciate this. Oh, absolutely. Looking forward to our chat today. So <clears throat> for those who may not uh, know about more more about like what financial services all uh, entails and whatnot, tell us a little bit about what it's like being a regional VP for Primerica. It's actually a lot of fun because I have a lot of autonomy. I get to decide what type of clients I want to work with, the people that I would like to help. You really get to decide who you want to work with. And I really enjoy working with regular everyday people. I think they're the folks that need the most help, but get sought after the least. Um, it, the same thing though, you do have to make sure that they're actually, they want the help. So you can't try and convince someone to do something, but you do want to find the people that are looking for something they want to do. And it really is rewarding. You mentioned it uh, doing the bio, but there are people who you can see the stress leave their face after maybe not the first meeting, because it could be overwhelming if you've never talked to a financial professional before but after your third fourth and fifth meeting with these people maybe over a couple of years you can see the joy and understanding of their finances and that that's a lot of fun fantastic so part of the steps that you use to help others succeed is really what i want to talk about with you today um, one thing that i have always admired about you is you're really good at distilling things that seem big and difficult like finance problems and bringing them down to simple um, kind of atomic things that actually you can take action with. So diving right in, Jay, we live in a culture where, that values instant gratification above nearly everything else. Uh, and experience would say that there's real no overnight success stories, though it seems like there are many. Investing or in life, it's kind of a long obedience in the same direction. So what parallels have you seen in your career between financing and good habits for leaders? Well, one of the things we talk to people about is continuous and consistent investing. Um, the phrase we use is dollar cost averaging, and that's where you invest a little bit for whatever you can afford budget-wise monthly over a long period of time, regardless of market performance. And I look at it like the rest of our life, whether it's trying to lose weight, uh, get stronger, develop a skill, learn an instrument, uh, become a professional in a field, you have to start somewhere and you learn incrementally. So 
all of these things are going to compound as we're taking action in any field we're going to have successes and attempts i don't like to use the word failures because you do learn from these attempts or hopefully you learn from them and we're going to have to do that consistently over a period of time before it looks like this person has become successful but a lot of people don't see the hours and hours of training practice rehearsal drilling that they've done before that to become someone who's really polished <clears throat> I don't know if I would necessarily call myself someone that's very polished, but I'm definitely a much better version of myself than the 25-year-old guy that started doing this in 2005. So I, there's two points in there that I'd love to tease out. One is um, you talked about winning or making an attempt. I like that. I actually never heard that before. Uh, yeah. I talk to my clients about winning or learning because uh, we don't believe there there's any failure unless we miss a target and we don't gain any knowledge from it. Um, yes. so talk about that a little bit, you know, it's particularly thinking through kind of investing. I imagine not every recommendation you make or every choice one of your clients makes is a big winner for them. Um, and so how, what's it like having to try and adapt and then make the necessary changes so you can have a better strategy going forward. One that is more aligned and <clears throat> the results you're looking for. Well, you're 100 percent correct. Every every recommendation and decision, whether it's from my end or the client side, is not always a success, especially not that day. Uh, we can't necessarily see what's going to happen in the future, whether it's with the market or a business or pretty much the weather. I mean, it's going to be different every single day. But when we do see the results is over a long period of time, whether it's someone who invested in a specific type of style, you know, 10 years down the road that horrible event actually turned out to be one of the things they learned the most from. Or, you know, the stock market crash turned out to be a great opportunity for them to buy some great companies on sale, whichever style they might be using. So you can't really see the results from your actions today and judge them based on the immediate next day of, of what they've actually achieved for you. You have to look at it over a long period of time. Excellent. Really, I really, I think that's really helpful, right? Especially living in a world of instant gratification. We always think now, 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 now. Um, secondly, James Clear, and I know this is a book you like as well, um, yes. Atomic Habits, we've talked about this many times, uh, talks about the value of many small movements in one direction being better than trying to take large leaps related to what you were just talking about. This is similar, at least in my very limited understanding of finance, finances and financial advising, uh, of compound interest in finance and how things just grow over time in a positive way. Explain more about the parallels here from your perspective. Probably the best example I can give is if someone made a single contribution to an investment account, let's say it was $1,000, <clears> even if they left it in there for 40 years and made average market returns, it's going to grow. It's going to be somewhat compelling 40 years from now, but it's not going to be as impactful as someone who who just saved 50 bucks a month. So it's a smaller contribution, but it's consistent over time. You think about someone that, and I'll try and think of a, um, <clears throat> something that can relate to everyone. Let's say you want to learn an instrument or you want to learn a new language. You're going to have to put in a little bit of effort every single day. And over time, the things you learned months ago become second nature. They become ingrained in you. It's just something that you automatically do or know where you can just reference them like a Google search. It just pops up in your mind and someone might think, how do you know how to do this so easily? 
Well, you've done it so many times, you no longer have to think about it or use any type of bandwidth in your mind to perform that task. So little tiny movements every day are much, much better than one large action. Imagine you'd went to the gym and worked up for five hours and didn't go again for a month. Probably not going to get a lot of results, but 30 minutes a day every day, a lot more results. And Jay, so talk about just like, I've seen some statistics. So Ian, you would know them better than I am. Like investing is small, something as small as like a hundred dollars a month, mm-hmm. like over 25, 30 years. What does that turn into? I'd have to look up the exact numbers, but in one of our presentations, we show someone investing $200 a month for 37 years. And again, this is not indicative of any one specific investment. They just talk about averages here. So let's say they average 9%. That it's over $700,000 in those 37 years. They didn't put in 700 grand. They probably didn't even put in 100,000. It's a huge difference over a long period of time. I think that just quantifies what you're talking about on things compounding. And you know, in, in the book, Clear, I think, uses the analogy of a runner. And he says that, you know, somebody could set out a goal to want to run a marathon. What they really need to do is they need to change their mindset and say, I want to be a runner. And they start out running, barely able to run a mile. And then all of a sudden they're running a mile and then they're running a 5k and they're, then they're running 10 miles and then they're running a half marathon and then they're running a marathon. And it talks about that psychological shift from, I have to run a marathon. I have to run a marathon to I'm a person who runs and what would a person who runs do? Yeah. You actually, when you and I initially had the talk about doing this today, I thought of that because there's different things in both of our lives that we've shared where we've had some really huge improvement in the past few years, but it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago that we started doing some of these things. And I'm sure it's possible, you know, I've dealt with folks who've had overnight success, but it's because they had success somewhere else more often than not, and then transferred that to what they're doing now versus, um, you know, I follow some really, um, really powerful people in the fitness industry who did, they went from couch to a marathon in six months. That's possible, not usually probable because most people, if they, if they try and take on too much at one time, their natural reaction is to quit. And I'm not saying that that's everyone. And I'm not saying that people can't overcome those things. I just like to work with probability. What's probably going to happen most of the time. If someone starts off small and building a habit. So let's say, you know, you're, I'm a little overweight again, so I'm working on that. And I want to lose this 25, 30 pounds. Should I go run six miles today? Or should I sit down on my bike, pull up a video and do 30 minutes on the, on the bike, probably 30 minutes on the bike. Cause I can duplicate that tomorrow and the next day and the day after that. And if I make it easy to do, and I find a way to attach it to something that's attractive, you know, I hate to say it, but a lot of people like some leisure time. So if I'm just watching a movie, it's less than being stressed about trying to run six miles with no headphones on. I'm more likely to do that and repeat that. And that consistency over time is going to help me get much better results than trying to grit it out. I think we have to grit some things out, but it doesn't mean it's the best path for everything to do. No, it's not. And I, I think you kind of hint nicely at the idea of intentionality. 
uh, you know, it's it's designing a system where, you know, you talk about watching a movie while you're riding your, your bike. So you're not trying to just really kind of but really grin and bear it. And I'm going to get through this and I'm just going to power through it, which probably takes more energy and doesn't want really create an environment. Should we, we want to come back and do something again. You just want to be like, Oh, I want to be done with this. I want to rid myself of it. <clears throat> but intentionality is a lot of what you're teaching your clients when you first sit down with them, you know, things like budgeting, the discipline of investing and giving the example where you, you know, you just shared where $200 a month for 37 years is something like three quarters of a million bucks. Talk about the power of intentionality. We really need to have the the end in mind. So this will be a little contradiction from the James Clare book. I think actually maybe it's not because he referenced this in a few of the audios that I've listened to where you do have to have a goal. The goal can be lofty. Um, but at the same time, it does have to have a place where it's rooted. And we get to these big goals by focusing on these small daily tasks or habits. So you can break it down. And I actually got this from a couple other psych, uh, psychology books where, all right, I want to get to point A. And how do I get there? I need to go through these multiple tasks. Okay, what's the, what's the humbling experience I can start with? I got to start somewhere. I'm not going to, we'll use running as an example. Let's say I want to run a marathon. I'm not going to go run 26.2 miles today, but could I, if I'm not a great runner, could I go walk jog two miles? And depending on your fitness level, everyone has different starting points. You start there and you incrementally increase. And I don't know what the number is. Maybe it's 5% more next week. So you're doing two point, whatever that is, 2.1 miles. Maybe it's 10% more. You're doing 2.2 miles. And then you continuously increase and you go back and review how you felt, how your recovery worked, and then you continually find ways to improve. Maybe you get a better shoe. You know, you went out running when it was freezing cold and you didn't dress properly. You figure out how to prepare better. And you got to constantly look at what you did the day before and see how you can improve. Being intentional doesn't just mean planning uh, what you want to get, but also how you want to get there and then constant review each day. We used to call it um, like an autopsy of your day uh, in the military. We, we'd look at your after action report and see, okay, what can we change for the future? Yeah, we used to do it. So when, when I was running the racetrack, we'd do a, a, what we call the postmortem and we'd sit down and just kind of review the events. Um, you know, and it's, and it's interesting too, I thinking just the parallels of what you're saying, a lot of the work that I do in one-on-one -on -one coaching with leaders is actually help them, helping them to design a rhythm that's most productive. I was recently in a coaching call with somebody and they said that, you know, they were trying to start their day earlier. And I'm like, well, why, why are you fighting this? You told me you're naturally like an evening person. You want to work later in the day and that's better for you. And they're like, oh, that's okay. I'm like, of course that's okay. They said, well, I find I do my best work in the morning though. I'm like, well, that's fine. We'll start at 10 o'clock. And they were like, start at 10 o'clock. I'm like, you know, adjust the sails so the wind is benefiting you. Don't feel like you're you're not working hard. You're not working hard unless the it's a strong headwind. <laughs> like it doesn't have to be hard to be successful. Yeah. When we were talking about doing this, I looked up some of the the keys. I think he has four things you want to do to make a habit. And one of them is making it attractive. One of them is making it easy. Um, now, everything's not going to be easy. There's certain parts of all of our work that are challenging. 
but it doesn't mean we need to add additional hurdles in front of it to make it harder. You don't get a badge of honor to make your life miserable. It's so true. You don't. But the power of intentionality, I think, is really adjusting the sail so the wind is at your back, getting those things to work for you and going in the same direction and starting out where um, we use a, a, a framework, a planning framework that I've really come to enjoy, I think, and, and yield some great results for our clients, which is it's called the Three Hag Way. It's founded by Shannon Burns-Sesco. She's another coach. And in it, the Three Hag stands for three-year highly achievable goal. And I think a lot of organizations, they're focusing on that BHAG, you know, what is the goal of my lifetime? You know, what is the goal of my career? What is the goal of the organization in this particular generation? And then they're really not sure what to do with that because it's so big, it's almost intimidating. It'd be like me at the present moment and I'm not a runner, I'm a cyclist. It would be at the present moment, me saying, I'm going to run a marathon. Like to me, that would be so daunting. I don't even know that I would undertake it. But if I can start thinking through what Shannon teaches, which is, okay, you've got a BHAG up here. What needs to be true in the next three years for that to happen? And what the part I really like about it is the highly achievable part. So it's not necessarily a layup, but what you're trying to do is you're trying to create a predictable um, outcomes year over year, quarter over quarter that are leading to the years and then to the three year. And you just keep building on that momentum. And it creates a what Jim Collins would say is essentially a flywheel which keeps it going um, and before you know it and you're, you're well on your way to that BHAG. And I think that harnesses the power of what you're talking about in the small bite-sized steps. Yeah, it definitely does. If, if you, and not everyone can do this because some, some of us in business are, are brand new. We have no track record. We have no history on our, our results, but every now and then, and I, I don't want to turn this in, into something about me, but I'll look back and I'm like, Oh, I'm not where I want to be yet. And Anyone that wants to be an achiever or is an achiever, we beat ourselves up a little bit. You know, we're always trying to measure our success and sometimes we're comparing to the wrong people. Um, I really like this quote, compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not someone else's today, because I'm not this person, but I can compare myself to myself. And if I were to look back and say, okay, Jason seven years ago versus Jason now, it's a tremendous improvement. But it, it may not be the one I want, but I know that I'm moving in the direction of progress rather than sitting there and finding someone who, uh, let's say they had more business experience, had more connections, had more resources. And, and some people do start off a, a little ahead of where you may be. That's a poor person to compare yourself. Compare yourself to where you were yesterday and then continually improve upon that piece by piece, bit by bit. You're going to be very happy with where you end up. Um, just don't measure yourself in days. In this instance, it's usually three, four years is a great number. It is. And I think, you know, I, I read a quote similar to what you're suggesting, which is um, never compare your beginning to somebody else's middle or end. Yeah, exactly. That's like, that's so powerful. Um, and, you know, I think your idea, of, and I think that's in Clear's book as well, is just talking mm -hmm. about where you were yesterday. And I think that really ties into the uniqueness of what we as humans have to offer the world. Um, you know, the gifts and skills that you have, Jay, are much different than my gifts and skills. And I think it, I think none of us would be better and the world wouldn't be better for me trying to be you and you trying to be me. Yeah, I don't think it's a, a lot of people try and emulate other people because they respect them. 
and and there's someone who you can look up to in their area of expertise. Uh, it's interesting. We're always worried about how we look to others, but very few people are concerned with with that same exact thing. Like they're not worried about Jay. They're worried about themselves. And for us to focus constantly on everyone else's achievements, you're going to diminish your own personal your own self esteem. And it's not going to help you move forward. You got to look at where you are today, like you had just mentioned, and assess yourself objectively, not emotionally, which is really difficult because we're human beings and most human beings are emotional creatures. Mm, it is. Yeah. I mean, you've talked about me that with me many times about how much of the work you do is um, you could make a very logical and very reasoned suggestion to a client, but they'll go against it because it's um, it's emotional for them. And, uh, you know, they'll buy, they'll buy and decide, uh, more with emotion than logic. Yeah. I started adopting, adopting a philosophy probably six years ago about mixing math and emotion. Um, and I tell people up front, you know, you're going to have these emotional reactions to some of the advice I have, and you're going to think to yourself, well, that I don't want to do that because it doesn't align with how I was raised or what I was taught. And then we're going to show you your emotion and our math and, even if the math may be better, we're probably going to have a middle ground that is something that we can take action on. It may not be the very best, but it's better than not taking action. Yeah, it is. That's right. So yeah. <clears throat> want to talk about the power of one. That's a, a concept that we use in our coaching when we're talking with our clients about um, cash management. And it's a way to essentially seek out 1% more revenue and decrease one percent expenses, and when you start modeling that out month over month, quarter over quarter, year over year, it actually adds up to significant amounts of money for clients who have organizations of all sizes. Um, I know you do a, a kind of a similar exercise for personal uh, finance. Um, hearing this for the first time, for our, maybe our listeners, walk through the impact. Uh, overall of just, again, those small bite-sized changes that really add up to something material. So I was thinking about this before we started doing the recording and, you know, it relates directly to uh, paying off debt and increasing revenue. So one of the things we do when we do our financial analysis is we look at all the different bills people have and what's the fastest way to pay it off. And commonly what most people do is they pay a little bit extra on every bill and they spread out what they have for resources, their money, and they spread it very thin. And each, each overpayment to each separate bill doesn't make a significant impact because of all the interest costs. So we'll focus that on one. It may be the smallest balance. It may be the, the one that's going to get paid off the fastest so that whatever their payment was on that can get then rolled down to the next one. And then if they continually do that, it sometimes pays off their debt in less than half the time. And I can also relate that to in business. One of the things I've been taught is if you're a, a business professional, you look at what, how much revenue do I, Mr. or Mrs. Business person bring in per hour? Let's use a number. And, and I know some people make way more than this. Some people make less. Let's say your revenue is 250 bucks an hour. Well, if it's just you and you're starting off by yourself, you have to do everything, which means you have to w- work a lot more hours doing things that don't produce revenue. Well, if you could delegate, hire, sometimes just not do some of the things we don't actually need to do, we save that 250 bucks an hour. Or if we have to pay someone 25 or 30, we get to keep the difference of the delta. 
the more often we do that, the more time we free up to be revenue producing. So if I could find five more hours a week for Jay, and, and this is just a, a number I'm throwing out there at 250 bucks an hour, well, that's 1250 bucks in those five hours. If it quote unquote costs me $250 to pay someone to do other work that had to get done in those five hours, I keep the extra thousand. Well, if we could do that in our life, we save whether it's expenses, debt, bills we have and increase the revenue even a small amount you do that over time the gap is huge you you get to a place where your company or your personal life you're totally debt free well imagine you have no mortgage no credit cards no car loans for the average family that's four thousand plus dollars a month i'm not recommending anyone give us all their money in this area but let's say you invested that four thousand over 20 25 years the disparity is immeasurable. It's measurable, but for this call, I don't have a calculation for me, so I couldn't measure it. But it's insane the difference versus if you never took the tiny little effort to find the difference, you may never be debt free or you may never accumulate any savings. The same thing applies to business, health, anything. The more the more we can limit our waste and increase our growth, the faster we get to our goals. That's true. And it, just thinking again, like it's also helps to cultivate a mindset. You know, we talked about Clear's book, Atomic Habits. It's it when you're looking for that 1%, you find it in areas where you weren't expecting to, but it just becomes natural because you're on the lookout for it and you're looking to kind of optimize things. And I, I had a re, I listened to a really interesting talk of uh, Jim Collins at one point. And it was a, a talk geared at people who were under the age of 30. And I was at the time when I listened to it. And one of his, um, one of his t- his ten points for people under thirty were was to start to create a list, and on it it was a, it was a stop doing list. Yes, and, uh, it's just a, it's a great task to go through, uh, and a lot of times with my clients we'll look at. Um, things that are they're be they're doing and looking at calendars and where are we going to find the time for some things and it's like, okay what do we need to start doing to hit our goals what do we need to stop doing to hit our goals and what do we need to continue to do to hit our goals and i think that all ties in really well with what you're talking about by saying <clears throat> okay if we looked at where the waste is how can we eliminate that and how can we then replace that with something that's productive, maybe revenue generating, or it's going to help to move the company forward. Um, really good insight there. Yeah, when you when not you when we think about life in general, if we were to actually sit back and objectively look at our day, how much time do we waste doing things that are not fruitful? Um, I've heard different references like um, instead of it being sustenance, it's like chewing gum, or it's food without any you know, positive effect. You're just eating white rice. There's no protein. There's no, there's, there's no huge nutritious value in it. And I'm not saying you should never have downtime and you should never be able to relax. But if we're, if we're trying to grow and improve, we all know we waste time. You know, before this call, I probably spent 15, 20 minutes looking over some stuff from James Clear. And before that I checked 15 and 20 minutes worth of Facebook. I probably could have done something better with that time nothing positive came from it. So you don't have to be a perfect person, but we all can improve a little bit in each of those areas. There's things we're doing that just need to go away. Don't beat yourself up. I'm probably being a hypocrite for saying that, but don't beat yourself up. Sit back, 
be objective, look at yourself like you were watching someone you didn't know. Hmm, interesting. Why would they spend an hour doing that thing that doesn't help them? And then find the ones that you can eliminate easily first um, and then build from there. Jay, these have been some great insights. Thank you for taking the time to share them with us. If somebody had wanted to talk some more with you about finance or their own disciplines, how could they get in touch with you? Um, they can actually just pull me up on Google. I'm in New Bedford, Massachusetts. So you can look up Jason Hawks Primerica. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. And I think I have a Facebook marketing page. They can hop on there. Jason Hawks Primerica, P-R-I-M-E-R-I-C-A. And uh, pretty easy to find on the web. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for your knowledge, your wisdom, your experiences. Uh, we're all better for hearing from it today. Thanks to all of you for listening in to another episode of the High Impact uh, leadership podcast. My name is Josh Neda. I am your host and strategic advisor and CEO plus leadership team coach. If you're looking to get some more insights and wisdom like this, you can visit our website, josh.veneda. That's josh.dash, excuse me, veneda, V-A-N-A-D-A.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the High Impact Podcast for Leaders.